Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to The Gary and Shannon Show. I mean, respectfully, guys, I don't, I find this, a lot of this offensive. Gary Hoffman. You're coming to some serious conclusions for a guy that has zero intelligence. Shannon Farron. Gary. We have nothing to hide. Shannon. Shameful and wrong. Gary and Shannon. That's what you guys should be writing and covering. Gary and Shannon, huge Tuesday show planned for you. Morgan Freeman is fighting back, demanding some retractions in those stories about accusers accusing Morgan Freeman of sexual harassment for what appear to have been some comments that he made. Yeah, and at least one of the women who was cited in that original CNN article says, uh, no, no, that's not the way it happened. Hurricane Maria, the last we heard, the death toll was 64. Remember, it wasn't so bad. I think uh, the president made some mention of that. I'm paraphrasing here when he went to visit. Now it looks like that death toll is more than 4,600. In Puerto Rico, complete failure there for the people that had to survive or not survive the aftermath of that storm. Uh, Have you seen this story about this uh, pilot who tried to kidnap a guy and deport him? Yes, very odd. Back to China. Can't do that. Yeah, you can't do self-deportations, huh? Uh, And uh, if I wanted to send you back to Germany, I can't do that, right? Me to Germany, huh? (laughs) I'm I'm guessing. (laughs) Trying to remember... Are you German? Eventually. I mean, if you go far enough back, yes. But uh, (laughs) I would have said like 1880s or 90s that my family made the That wasn't that long ago. Okay. (laughs) I suppose. A couple generations. I hear Germany's wonderful. It is. Um, I don't know. I've never... Have I been there? No, I have not. But let's start in Belgium. This is a uh, this is a story that happened a few hours ago. A knife-wielding man stabbed a couple of uh, police officers in the city of Liège. And the very latest is a story that we've heard before. The guy they've got, the suspect in killing these police officers, had appeared indirectly in security reports on radicalized people. Whenever we talk about these attacks, we end up on that topic, right? How many people are on these lists? If there's so many people that carry out attacks on these lists, then what are the lists really for? What are we doing with these names? Yeah, all we're doing is identifying them before they do the bad things. Um The police chief in the city of Liege says that the officers, these two women, were 45 years old, 53 years old. The the second one was the mother of twins. Four other officers were wounded in this ongoing attack. One of them was uh, seriously uh, injured with, a, I believe, a gunshot to the femoral artery. So there was a potential that this uh, this officer was going to bleed out. But he stole – he stabbed – the two female officers first and stole their weapons and then shot them. Uh, then shot a 22-year-old guy who was in a vehicle just leaving a parking place outside a nearby high school. And then he went inside the school and took a woman hostage. The police intervened at that time. He comes out firing at police, wounding a number of them, many in the legs. 
he is shot and killed. Name is Benjamin Herman, Belgian national, born in 1982. Did have a criminal record that included theft, assault, and drug offenses. And had been in jail, in and out of jail, for the last 15 years or so. And had been on that list of radicalized people. Yeah, and he was out. I mean, he was just released yesterday from from prison. So they knew that this guy was out and about uh, and was on that magic list and was yelling out Allahu Akbar, depending on which witnesses you hear, which ones they uh, were close enough to hear him screaming stuff. But at this point, you know. We don't know if it's terrorism. Yeah, they're tiptoeing. We don't know what the motive is. Uh, The police is doing the investigation. No formal conclusions. Brussels, if you remember, has a big problem with terrorists. They kind of have this like hands-off approach to one part of the the city that's just uh, crawling with with terrorists, with radicalized people. The uh, the Belgium was the area was the place where the suicide bombers killed 32 people at the airport in Brussels in 2016 and the airport and the subway system. And it's also not the first time that Liege itself, I mean, that town has been hit. There was seven years ago, a man with a a history of weapons and drug offenses packs up some hand grenades and uh, guns, lobs the hand grenades into a square filled with shoppers at around Christmas time, and then shoots shoots the people who are escaping from the original grenade attack. Five people were killed, including the assailant, but, but... well over 100 were injured in that attack. This attack resembles one that was carried out a couple years ago in the Belgian city of Charleroi, where two police women, again, were injured after being stabbed. That attack was claimed by ISIS. In January, Belgium lowered its nationwide terror alert to level two of maximum four. That was for the first time since 2015. And the reason they lowered the terror alert is because they said, well, ISIS is being dismantled in Syria. Uh, There was a lower number, they thought, of Belgian residents leaving or coming back from Syria. You know what? A lower number does not mean less dangerous. Yeah, and if if we've got – Europe has a specific problem now in the last six months and probably for the next six months or so. As ISIS is destroyed and some of these guys are able to go back uh, and travel back to Europe after having been on the battlegrounds in Syria, they're bringing uh, some – some harsh feelings, shall we say? Some some anger and resentment that's still bubbling underneath the surface, and they're going to take it out on uh, everyday normal citizens and police. So, uh, All right, so when we come back, the North Korean official, there is a super high-up guy in the government who's all the way coming to New York to talk with American officials about this upcoming summit that won't be on, that could be on, might be on, it's not on. Could be. Maybe not. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. I've been around the world and never in my wildest. Gary and Shannon, it's Tuesday, May 29th, or in uh, Starbucks language, the day the earth stood still so that we could get training. Do you think people are going to riot? You know, the, the Starbucks uh, devotees? The ones who uh, go in the afternoon. You're so devoted that you go in the afternoon for your coffee? Right. Like um, like Aaron Bender. I think he used to go three, four times a day. Ugh. 
seems He's excessive. cut back, though. I heard him talking to Conway about now he just goes in and he gets a uh, medicine ball tea. What is that? It's a tea that has a, I, I believe he described it as a warm citrusy uh, flavor. <laughs> okay. Uh, I suppose there are going to be people who are mad when they go there and the doors are going to be locked. And inside you're going to see people writing in their workbooks about inherent bias, explicit bias. It's all such crap. Oh, my gosh. And they're doing it for hours. And how much money did they... T- well, we'll get into it in, uh, at the bottom of the hour. South Korea is desperately trying to put the pieces back together so that this June 12th summit between North Korea and the United States moves forward. They're trying to prevent President Trump from acting erratically and tantrumy and doing something that could affect the entire region slash planet. Well, his tweets today uh, about this topic have been very uh, complimentary of the North Koreans, saying we've put together a, a, a great team together for our talks with North Korea. Meetings are currently taking place concerning summit and more. Kim Jong-chol, the vice chairman of North Korea, heading to heading now to New York. Solid response to my letter. Thank you. Uh, Kim Jong-chol is a four-star general. He's vice chairman of the Workers' Party of Korea. So he's not technically uh, number two, you know, the, uh, the vice chairman of, uh, of North Korea. But he is one of the closest people to Chairman Un. Is that even the right title? I think I'm saying Ki- Chairman Kim jong Chairman Kim. Um, so he's, I guess, acting as sort of Secretary of State in this case, which makes sense because he is going to be meeting, uh, we understand, with Mike Pompeo in New York. The weirdest part about this is how they're putting this together journalistically. They're following this guy. He showed up at Beijing Capital International Airport today, according to TV footage. The terrible airport. There's not even, like, official... News releases from North Korea about their officials traveling to the United States. No, to get the, they have no, to. It's very secret. They're stalking him, like, like he's Lamar Odom at LAX. It's weird. And then they said that he was booked on an Air China flight to D.C., but they had to change it to a New York flight on Wednesday, so that he's going to be there sometime tomorrow, uh, arriving at JFK International Airport. There's a couple. Of, well, there's one really big reason for that. And that is because the North Koreans who currently are in the United States are the ones who represent North Korea at the United Nations. They're not allowed to travel outside of New York City without special permission. One of the guys who is, uh, I guess you could say, the right-hand man, arm man, what was her name? Vistaviano. Yes, okay. Uh, She would call this guy the right-arm man of the South Korean president. And this guy says... I am 99% certain the summit will take place. He says, I get the feeling that for Kim and Trump, neither side is willing to break the deal. Neither has the guts to do it. They were just bluffing very gently compared with the past to save face because of domestic and international attention and pressure. Now, in this case, uh, in Trump's case, bluffing involves apocalyptic language. It is alarming. Um, You know, Trump writes to Kim Jong-un in a letter You talk about your nuclear capabilities, but ours are so massive and powerful that I pray to God they will never have to be used. But it is still, in in the opinion of of this guy, just bluffing, just language. 
It's just kind of scary language when you think about it. Well, in the context of nuclear, uh, it's not just, you know, my my dad is bigger than your dad. It's, hey, a, a mutually assured destruction right. scenario. Although it's not mutual at that point. I mean, they, no, they, they would be they destroyed. Could cause, they could potentially cause damage, but they would be gone. I mean, they'd be off the map. Um, the and, and there are other meetings that are going on currently as we continue to talk about the preparation for this mysterious June 12th meeting, if it even is a June 12th meeting. I mean, Kelly and Conway said this morning from the White House, even if it's not June 12th, it could be a few days after that. But there's two meetings that are going on as well. Um, there's an advanced team headed by the White House Deputy Chief of Staff Joe Hagan that is in Singapore right now making logistical plans for the summit, where it would be, where everyone would stay, what the meetings would look like physically, where the the actual rooms would be that they'd be held. Uh, the North Koreans do have representatives there as well. Sort of uh, the chief of staff to Kim Jong-un is expected to be there. But there's also discussions that are going on right in North Korea. The former negotiator with North Korea for, uh, for America uh, serves currently as ambassador to the Philippines, Sung Kim. He is holding another round of talks just north of the DMZ. And officials are talking about the substance of any summit agreement. So outside of the physical things that they're working out in Singapore, in North Korea, they are specifically working on the agenda for whatever, 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 whenever is supposed to take place. Uh, I just don't know what North Korea would agree to that would be enough for, I mean, what, what comes out of this summit if it moves forward? You know, this is a country who has spent the last decades bolstering, bolstering, bolstering its military program. Hell, having parades every year to show how strong they are. And all of a sudden, the United States gives them an audience at a summit and, and they're going to agree to limit that or destroy all of that power. That just doesn't make sense on its face. Now, how much does it suck to be South Korea right now? Oh, yeah. Because the United States and North Korea get into it. South Korea is screwed. They, they're really completely powerless because of the effects of any sort of war or even limited strike or anything like that. Right. Would just kill hundreds of thousands. Which is why they're trying to get their foot in the door and hopefully get into the meeting and make it a three-party talk issue. Um, I, I've been trying to figure out what the word denuclearization means because when we say it, we mean – North gives up all of its nuclear weapons, all of its capabilities, etc. When they say it, when North Korea says it, they're talking about taking all of the nukes off of the Korean Peninsula, which would include our nukes in South Korea. It would also probably include them restarting their nuclear program at a secret site. Right. You know, what's to say that they completely stop? I just don't trust the North Koreans. I certainly don't trust Kim Jong-un. They say they're going to... They're, they're for denuclearization. And you're exactly right. And it means not just not just them, but all hands off deck. It's going to be you guys are going to have a good time. You guys. You guys. Oh, that's right, because you're leaving. I'm going to be on vacation when that happens. I'm going to be in Singapore. Not really. Yesterday, you said you were not going to check out early because you're going on vacation next I'm week. Sticking and to it's it. 1026 and you just brought it up on the air. No, I did not. You did. It's okay. It's all right. It's a human thing to get excited about vacation and to check out a little bit. 
Starbucks is closing its doors a little bit later today for what they call 529. It's their anti-bias training. And uh, we have some of the uh, some of the sound from the videos that they're going to be showing today to all you of their associates. You know what doesn't remove bias? Training. Especially when somebody is of the age of, of baristas. Well, they, they believe that they're more woke than everyone already. If so. you say woke yeah. one more time. Yeah. What? You're going to say it a lot, aren't you? Yes. Gary and Shannon will continue. We'll get into that Starbucks anti-bias training coming up in just a couple minutes. The internet currently losing its mind over this Roseanne tweet about Valerie Jarrett saying if uh, the Muslim Brotherhood in a Planet of the Apes had a baby, it'd be Valerie Jarrett. Wanda Sykes, who is a producer and a writer on The Roseanne Show, quit the show via Twitter, and uh, everyone's losing their minds over this. Hmm. Why would she? Why would she write that? That's what she does. She is uh, bombastic, and she stirs the pot, and she creates controversy, and most of it isn't even funny when she does it. It's like she does it just because she needs the attention or something. I don't know. Uh, she did uh, three hours ago post, I apologize. I am now leaving Twitter. And then another message that said, I apologize to Valerie Jarrett and to all Americans. I am truly sorry for making a bad joke about her politics and her looks. I should have known better. Forgive me. My joke was in bad taste. Hmm. And it was in response to something. I don't know. I just I didn't see what it was in response to, but uh, I don't think irrelevant. really the context matters. Yeah. It's just anyway. Uh, just well, comparing somebody who's black to Planet of the Apes. Yeah. It's never funny. Okay. I mean, how do you not know that? Is speaking of, uh, you know, Starbucks and, right. and the ridiculous hole we're about to go down. There's certain things that are just common sense. And that's not even that goes beyond like a, a drunk tweet or something like that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so today, sometime one o'clock, two o'clock, your local Starbucks could be closing down for about three hours, and they have an entire training program that they've been working on for a long time and have been previewing for their employees. Without a doubt, the events in Philadelphia prompted us to bring eight thousand stores and 175,000 partners together on 529. Okay, Stop it right there. Yeah. The events in Philadelphia. Yeah, it makes it sound it's, like... It makes it sound like a terrorist attack. There were. Listen, I, and let me say, I hate the idea that these guys in Philadelphia were treated the way they were treated. It's ridiculous. It's, it's the, the person who called the cops on these guys is the one who needs to be publicly humiliated, Here's not the these guys. This was in April. A manager called police on two African-American men who were quietly watching, or excuse me, quietly waiting for a friend. The complaint from the woman at Starbucks, well, they hadn't bought anything. Staffers also denied one of them from using a restroom. Police arrest the pair for trespassing, but later let go without charges, and Starbucks and police apologized. They also... Uh, the city was going to pay them, 
and they took a $1 payment. Each of them took a $1 payment from the city of Philadelphia in exchange for an agreement that the city would set up a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, for a grant, I think, for encouraging uh, inner city high school kids to go to college. I mean, it was they made something good out of all of this. And Starbucks looked like the complete apples in this because they hired somebody who would have called the cops on these guys in the first place. Um, but it goes beyond that. This has set off in Starbucks this this atmosphere of change, I think, is probably the only way to put it, where they're going, a, uh, they, to me, they're going a little too deep on this. Today, when we close down our stores to get more training and hopefully come away with more learnings around bias, can we structurally change the organization? So I think we would say the structural work is something that has to be done for far longer than the four-hour day. And that's policy? That's the work the company has to do to support the partners in the individual work, because one of the things we don't want to see is for each person to have to bear this burden alone. Uh, Again, I said this to Handel earlier. What are we talking about there? What what burden are we bearing? the, The goal is to... Stop being a D to people. Right. Rule one, don't be a D to someone. Regardless of where they come from or who they are or what they look like or how they're dressed or what language they speak or you can tell they're a man or a woman. Just don't be a D to that person, whoever it is. Consider people. And if if you work at Starbucks, do you realize that what you're doing this afternoon is you're going to be filling out a workbook about your implicit bias, your explicit bias, the biases that you've had for all your life, and that you are a bad person? That that's what this is going to come down to. Now, I don't want to de- I don't want to demean or belittle what it is that people have felt for decades in this country. The civil rights era was a time that you and I didn't have to live through, but it was a dark time for a lot of people. And it wasn't that long ago. Um, So, right. That's the other part about it. This is in our recent past that we institutionally treated people like D's. It's not part. It's not that that it's not like there's inherent bias that I don't think needs to go away or or the strides against be made. However, I just feel like this is such blatant whoring by Starbucks to the millennial community where who are, who are all into social justice and the like, and that's great. But this is just blatant whoring. They're going to lose, what, 12 million in sales or something this afternoon, but they're going to make so much more because they look like they care. Does Starbucks really care? No. It's trying to cover its own ass. Yeah. Hence the policy that they just announced where they're going to allow anybody to use their bathrooms. That's going to go over well. Yeah. That's going to go over well if you are the person who goes in there and buys your $6 coffee every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday or twice a day like Bender. Listen, and you're the one who wants to go in there and use the restroom because, hey, you legitimately got to go. You're not there to shoot up or change or shower in the sink or whatever you're going to do. But that those people are going to leave your place because you're trying to be so careful. Yes. You're to be so nice and open-hearted. They're legislating on feelings. Ah! You're buying into it now. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. my dues gap. We haven't used that in a long time. All right. Coming up next, Hurricane Maria was a hell of a lot more horrific than we thought. We'll get into it when we come back. Gary and Channa will continue. Girl, you got the killing in your Levi's. High on your love has got me buzzing like a streetlight. It's still early out in Cali, baby. Don't you want to rally again? Thunder, rowing, no man. Lay back in the slow lane. Sky dropping, you 
KFI AM 640. Hey, coming up, we will be talking about the Golden State Killer who is in court as we speak. They're arguing a motion whether to unseal some warrants, including the inventory list of what they took out of his home there in Citrus Heights up there near Sacramento. So we will have the latest. Christian Carlo is actually inside the courtroom and will be joining us a bit later. Uh, Hey, just an update on that uh, Roseanne story. ABC has canceled the series. ABC got a hell of a lot of hell this morning on social media. People calling out ABC for uh, canceling Ellen in 1998 after she came out, but yet they've remained silent all day about Roseanne's racist comments. So Uh, that was a quick move. I was just going down the whole Roseanne on Twitter uh, hole just now. Mm. She's, uh, well, she can't spell. And... uh, she likes to retweet uh, a lot of these conspiracy theory style website stuff. And she said something about Chelsea Clinton having married one of the George Soros nephews, something along those lines, which yeah. was a story that came from a website that has a less than um, less than great reputation when it comes to journalistic integrity. And Chelsea Clinton tweeted her back very politely and just said, I'm not married to a George Soros nephew and then said something nice about George Soros. Like, but I, I trust or I believe in the work that his company does or whatever it was. Roseanne's like uh, grandma at the computer uh, checking her AOL account and uh, reading everything on the Internet and believing a lot of it. That's just kind of who she is, I think. Well, and look at I mean, if this is true, if ABC did cancel the CNN is reporting this, by the way. Uh, and that's the only place I've seen it so far. But if that's true, every single one of those people that was working on that show that is now out of a job because she tried to make something funny, which was not funny at all. Yeah, that's terrible. I don't know if it was picked up for another season. I didn't I didn't stay up to 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 date on the news of the reboot there. I watched a couple of the episodes. They said that they were going to redo another season or they were going to do another season. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I was talking to a friend. He's uh, from Puerto Rico. He's got family that still lives there. And he was saying things aren't good. Things aren't going well there. And I said, what do you mean? That hurricane was in September. There's got to be some rebound, right? No, he said. There's really not. And today we get this report from the New England Journal of Medicine that dispatched a team of researchers that says it looks like the death toll from that hurricane that struck in September, Hurricane Maria, is about 4,600. And it's not just the immediate effects of the hurricane, but it's all the months that came after it, all the delayed medical care, a complete breakdown in any sort of structure to take care of people in an emergency. And guess what? This is our territory. This is the U.S. territory. And... You read through this report, and it looks like these people were left on their own and royally screwed. I think that the, I think that both numbers can be correct, and I'll I'll say it this way: the sixty-four people, the, the official government tally of sixty-four people. Yes, it's a dramatic uh, undercount when it comes to the people whose lives were affected by this or whose lives were lost. But the sixty-four people may have been the people literally killed by. 
winds toppling buildings, flooding, landslides that swept away homes, uh, power, water, cellular service, all of that stuff. And those 64 people may have been the ones who died immediately. But when you, I'll tell you the survey method in a second, but when you extrapolate and, and say that it was 4,600, that I think is the most, the more important number because it shows that a situation like that, a hurricane like that, will cause death for months to come if it's not reacted to properly. Now, you mentioned this. They went through the, this um, team from uh, New, Journal, New England Journal of Medicine, um, went through and they visited more than 3,000 homes across Puerto Rico and interviewed their occupants. And they reported that 38 people, of those 3,000 homes, 38 people who were living in those homes died between when the hurricane struck and the end of 2017. The hurricane came through September 20th, so in the three months, basically. And then what they did was they extrapolated that. They converted it into a mortality rate, extrapolated that to the larger population, and then just compared it with the official statistics. So when you do that, it is very imprecise. So the number 4,600 is a generality. I mean, it could be as low as 800. It could be more than 8,000. So this is the number that they're going for right in the middle. And that's why they're saying that's how they came up with their 4,600. There is a continued lack of water. The power grid has been unstable at best. A huge lack of essential services. One of the people who died as a result of medical service lapses, and I think lapses, putting it very lightly, was a woman by Yvette Leon. Yvette was 54 years old, a Boy Scout den mother. She had gotten ill, suffering from pain all over her body, vomiting chills. Physicians, when she was finally able to get to them, told her it was an infection, gave her meds, and released her to her family. And that didn't work. That that was wrong. And when they called for help, the the paramedics were not four minutes away like we have here. Hell, not even like an hour away um, like you would have in the in the uh, wake of an emergency, but hours away. You know, it, it's the help doesn't come. The help doesn't come nearly in time. And the fact that this is going on and, and everyone's kind of ignoring it. It seems we move on. We've moved on to the next disaster and the next disaster and that not knowing that hundreds of thousands or or thousands of people, I guess, maybe even if that number is high, have been dying from just lack of um, efficiency. Nobody getting in there and getting things to work right and worrying about protocols and roads and getting services to people in the rural rural areas. And this is the thing. Puerto Rico, it's not like... um... Puerto Rico is not like California in that we have a massive earthquake here once every 25, 35 years, something like that. Puerto Rico, for those of you who don't know, uh, is in the Caribbean. And the Atlantic hurricane season officially begins a few days from now. I think uh, Friday. So they're going to be hit again uh, with... Even if it's not a hurricane, tropical storms that will do just as much damage again in an area in areas that are not recovered from Hurricane Maria. It's one nine thing, months later. It's one thing to take that direct hit, but then for everyone else just to ignore what's going on there for months and months and months as the bodies pile up is uh, embarrassing. All right, coming up next. Remember Brock Turner? Do I?
Brock Turner was that kid who assaulted that girl next to a dumpster um, and claimed that she was consensual about it because every girl dreams to uh, hook up next to a, a dumpster. Uh, the judge gave him a rather light sentence, a slap on the wrist, and now the judge is talking about his decision and doubling down on it. Ah, because Election Day is coming. Interesting. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a few minutes right after this. One o'clock hour, we're going to talk a little bit more about the story about Roseanne. Uh, her Twitter comment about Valerie Jarrett, former White House advisor, said she looked like the Muslim Brotherhood and the Planet of the Apes had a baby. Um, she apologized for that tweet. And then ABC said, eh, too late. We are canceling the show. There are going to be people who say, well, it was just a joke. And now people are losing their lives over a comedian's joke. Well, Roseanne's one of the faces of ABC, and ABC doesn't want that kind of reputation. Yeah, and it, this is not something like uh, they had it out for her politically. They were making plenty of money off of her. Yeah. I mean, this this first season of Roseanne, this reboot slash season 11 or whatever they call it, they were making plenty of money on that show. So the idea that they would do this simply for political reasons, I think, is a little short-sighted. But they said it's uh, absolutely abhorrent. It uh, goes against the values that they as a network have. So um should be interesting. So I, 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 and she said she's quitting Twitter, by the way. I, having looked at what she's been doing for the last couple of just even the last few days on Twitter, she's going to have a hard time quitting Twitter. It's too bad for Roseanne because what was she doing before she got this successful reboot of her show? She was just like retweeting conspiracy theories on Twitter and maybe getting a couple of uh, gigs at The View or something. I don't know. Yeah. But but this was her uh, her reemerging as a star. You know, everyone loves that show. It's a, that it gives you the nostalgia that, and there you, were, that you love. There were discussions about, you know, would this be the... Beginning of seeing more conservative themed, you know, sitcoms on television uh, that they would actually be able to make money. And she kind of pulled the rug out from everybody by by issuing that stupid, short sighted and dumb tweet. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, she's the uh, she's the star of that show. And now how many people have lost their jobs on that show because she failed to embrace her role as a. as the the leader, uh, as the, the the star of the show, you can't behave like that. You've got to realize that there's people's lives that are depending on you. Kids, be careful what you put on the Twitter. We told you before about uh, Judge Aaron Persky. He is the judge up in Santa Clara County, Superior Court judge, who is facing a recall next Tuesday because of one decision. Six-month sentence that he issued a couple of years ago to Brock Turner, the former Stanford swimmer, who was convicted of attempted rape and a couple of other felonies for sexually penetrating a drunk and unconscious woman outside a frat party next to a dumpster a few years ago. The judge gave him a short jail term after he was found guilty of sexually assaulting this unconscious woman. And everybody lost their minds. He walked free, Brock Turner did, after spending just three months in county jail. 
And people said at the time, look what happens. This is white justice. This is rich justice. This is a kid who is a white kid at Stanford, a swimmer, a rich kid. And this is the different world that they get to live in. The uh, Persky has come out with now, like I said, this is a recall effort. So the the campaign to recall him has raised more than a million bucks. He's had to raise 400000 in an attempt to fight back. No California judge has been recalled from office since 1932. That's crazy. And that's just when three superior court judges here in L.A. were accused of taking kickbacks. And it's even longer than that for a judge to have been recalled just because of an unpopular ruling. 1913 in San Francisco. Because... There was low bail for a man charged with sexual assault. And when we talked about this, I think it was, uh, was it last year that all of this went down? We were talking about it. Judge Persky had to come in and out of the courthouse from the back door, like the door that the inmates use because of the number of protesters that were out there, the members of the media that wanted to ask him questions about all of this. And now he's saying there are even lawn signs in this recall effort out there with his face next to a mugshot of Brock Turner, the defendant in the case. Well, the judge sat down with CBS's news, CBS News's John Blackstone to explain himself. Yeah, he so he talks about whether or not social media was going to have an impact in this case. I accept responsibility for every decision that I've made as a judge. But what I cannot accept are the downstream consequences, the collateral damage, if you will, to the next case, to the next judge's decision, to even the next juror's decision. I mean, this notion, the power of social media, the power of politics, if it affects jurors, then where are we? We've completely corrupted our system. I kind of, to me, that was just a bunch of mealy-mouthed, I don't know what I'm saying, stuff from a very smart guy. You have to be aware of that sort of thing. You, you, you cannot have justice in a vacuum, in my opinion. And I know that the point of a jury trial is it's dangerous, though. It's very dangerous because the judge takes the oath to uphold the law. And when you start thinking about justice in a vacuum, you know, you start getting into the OJ mess. You know, you start getting into, well, those guys got off for the Rodney King beating. And so everyone was upset. And then the riots and the whole bit. And and then that that o, that OJ jury did not let off OJ, but they let off a community that was grieving and was totally wronged in that period of time. So in, in that case, the jury wasn't acting in a vacuum. Right. Right. The judge has got to be the person because juries will never act in a vacuum. Juries will never just pay attention to the facts. But when it comes to sentencing, the judge has to pay attention to the facts. And I kind of get what he's saying there. I mean, I hate that he was lenient on this kid, and I think that's what he should have addressed. But I don't think judges should take into effect the the whole environment. I think that's just dangerous. In this case, he does say that he was simply following the recommendation of the county probation department when he ordered this guy in jail for six months. He'd already served three, so he was only going to serve, you know, 85, 90 days or whatever it was before he was going to be let out. And the, the issue of whether or not he is aware of social media, I think you're right. I mean, it's his job to, to do this in a vacuum and make sure that, that justice within the courthouse is, only uh, is only influenced by the law itself and using the evidence of whatever case it is. But the idea that then it wouldn't also have an effect on the next decision or he's, his 
com- or his comment was, I don't like the idea. I don't accept the downstream consequences uh, to the next case, to the next judge's decision, to the next juror's decision. That's how we've done things forever. If if we as a society don't like the way the law is, we change the law. Right. And in these cases, if we see something like this, the correct answer isn't necessarily to recall the judge, because like he said, he was following the recommendation of the county probation department, although he did have the power to go above and beyond what they suggested, that we make it so that the county probation department comes up with stricter recommendations. The problem I had with this judge was not the fact that he can't uh, take into account the environment, social media and all that. It was the fact that he said that a state prison term would have a severe impact on Brock Turner. And Brock Turner needed to have a severe impact. This was somebody who needed to have the impact of something, some sort of punishment. And his crimes were punishable up to 14 years in prison. Prosecutors asked for six. And when you took that down to six months in jail, because prosecutors can shoot for the moon, right? They're going to take into effect all the mitigating factors, the probation department's report and everything. And for them to ask for six is asking for a lot. So for him to turn his cheek on that and go for six months in jail and then to say, well, this it would have a severe impact on him. Well, that's what justice system is supposed to have. It's supposed to have a severe impact on people so that they never repeat their bad behavior. Right. And, and part of it at least has to be uh, punitive to the point uh, punitive with the victim in mind. I mean, right. you're talking about this was also a life-altering experience for the woman who was involved here. Exactly. You don't think she had a severe impact? Right. So why is it that this guy gets off with just a minor impact while she has to deal with this for the rest of her life? I didn't think the interview was very good. I don't think that the right questions were asked, and I don't think it went far enough. And he let him off the hook. Yeah, he could have gone after him a whole lot more. So we'll see. Tuesday in uh, Santa Clara County is when they're going to go uh, for the recall, potentially, of Judge Persky. All right, uh, coming back, this weird story about the uh, the flight pilot, the the flight school teacher, I think it was, who tried to kidnap a guy so he could deport him. <laughs> Welcome to Reading, everybody. Welcome to Reading. Gary and Shannon will continue just a moment. Shannon, top of the hour, we'll get into our uh, trending stories. One of them is going to be for sure that uh, Roseanne, the TV show, has been canceled by ABC after uh, a tweet that she had sent out uh, commenting that Valerie Jarrett, the former Obama White House official, looked like the Muslim Brotherhood and the Planet of the Apes had a baby. Um, Wanda Sykes, who was one of the writers of the show, said she was out that was hours ago and then abc just within the last say 20 30 minutes announced that they were canceling roseanne and this was just a few weeks after they said they were going to renew it for a second season after it was uh, rebooted so i'm uh, scared sometimes when i see the people who have private private uh, pilots licenses <laughs> because pilots can do some damage you know uh, a pilot and his assistant have been arrested up in the Redding area of Northern California, and they're accused of kidnapping and attempting to deport one of their flight students, a 21-year-old Chinese kid. 
Well, I, I we're going to have to be careful here with the guy's name because it's Tian Shu Shi. And when I say that, you have to be careful with it. It's because when we try to tell the story, she becomes – you're not reading it. Let's call him Tian Shu. Well, let's he use goes, his first name. He goes by the name Chris. Oh, let's go by Chris then. Because you know that makes perfect sense. All right. It? Well, Jonathan McConkey is the general manager of the flight school, general manager of the flight school, and his assistant is named Kelsey. And this was a flight school that posted a video on Facebook last year talking about how much it enjoyed training Chinese flight students. Anyway, according to the Reading Police Department, the manager of the flight school and his female assistant had warned Chris on Thursday night that they were sending him back to China. The next morning, they show up at Chris's home where the flight school manager batters him and threatens physical violence if he did not go with them. This doesn't make any sense. Fearing for his safety, Chris left with the flight school manager and assistant, but not before calling his brother in Shanghai, who called the Reading Police Department. When officers show up at the Reading Municipal Airport, they find all three of them. That's when the flight school manager and assistant were arrested with suspicion of conspiracy and kidnapping. He told the local newspaper up there he had no idea why he was kidnapped. Wait, she told or he told? Chris. Oh, Chris. There we go. See, I told you it's hard to keep track. However, he had been banned from flying two months ago and suspected it was because of his lack of English. He told the uh, newspaper, I can't speak English well in life, but I can speak English well with air traffic control. We'll just leave that over there to the side. We're not going to pick that one up and unpack it. No need. So Chris says when uh, the two turn up at his house, he tries to record the interaction. And in the recording, you can hear a man's voice saying, you're going with or without your luggage. There's a woman that can also be heard on that recording. And in point, at one point, she's speaking Mandarin to Chris before she switches to English and says something like, speak English, please. Can you speak English? If you cannot speak English, you are not going to be able to stay here. After the woman tells Chris that he's in their custody, the guy, whoever it is, says, and the United States government needs you out of this country right now. You understand? Now, my question is, where were they going to take him? I mean, they took him to the airport, right? Were they going to try and fly to China on a Cessna? What what are we doing here? Reading Municipal is not the kind of place that's going to have an airplane that's going to be able to take him back to China. There's something amiss here. There's something we don't know. It sounds like it's just a, not that they didn't do it, but I don't think they were going to take him to China. I think what they were going to do is try to bribe, uh, try to get money out of him. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, he was here for about seven months on an M1 visa, which is valid for a year. Um, but there's there's something amiss here, and, and and air traffic control English needs to be at the same level of English as the rest. Can we agree on that? Yes, but there would be – it'd be like playing cards with a pinochle deck. I mean, there are only certain cards okay. that you're going to use. And if you're talking to air traffic control, I'd there like, are only certain words that you're I'd going like to use. I'd like my pinochle players to have full, full grass deck. above all the all the cards, you even want- <laughs> if they're just playing pinochle. Uh, the, uh, the brother, thankfully, Fu, who lives in Shanghai uh, – 
Fu was able to call the the Reading police and speaks better English than does she, than does Chris, I mean. So he was able to more clearly explain to them using non-air traffic control English what was going on with his brother. I've heard of people uh, wanting to be cops but never deportation officers. You know, never uh, impersonation of a deportation officer. I guess. Well, uh, what's her name's back in the news? Oh, great. Christina Garcia. Speaking of election day, she's uh, she's been out of the business for a while. Self-imposed uh, suspension, I guess. She uh, take a little groping vacation there and take a little time <laughs> off to grab a little ass. Well, we told you a couple of weeks ago that the investigation said that it didn't rise to the level of uh, punishment, although she was booted off of her assembly leadership position. So we'll talk about what's going on with Christina Garcia in just a few minutes. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. I got my money. Tuesday, it's May 29th, also Arrested Development Day. Season 5 out today on Netflix. You see um, Scott Peterson's new mugshot? No. Does he have facial hair? He doesn't look uh, tormented enough. <laughs> I retweeted it at Gary and Shannon. Uh, we've been following the story about ABC. The network has canceled the second season of Roseanne after uh, a tweet that she put out said that Valerie Jarrett looked like she was uh, the offspring of the Muslim Brotherhood and uh, Planet of the Apes. Also, how not topical. <laughs> right. Why, why are you going after Valerie Jarrett? Uh, it's a weird. Uh, in fact, we're going to track down and, and talk about this in the 1 o'clock hour. We're going to track down the – because hers was in response to another tweet that was apparently a link to a conspiracy theory website about something. So we'll, we'll get all of that figured out. Well, speaking of – Next Tuesday and Election Day, Christina Garcia is running in the uh, heavily Democratic 58th Assembly District all the way down the southeast L.A. County, Montebello, Downey, Pico Rivera, etc. This is one of those places that we have seen uh, that is similar to other places right now in terms of the primary. A lot of Democrats running for these same seats. And in specifically in this one, there are six Democrats running for the 58th Assembly District and one Republican. She represents what I don't like about politicians when they talk out of both sides of their mouth. The guy that's the uh, right to life Republican in the South that has a mistress who he asked to get an abortion. Uh, the guy who who champions conversion therapy for gays and then is caught uh, trying to proposition a guy in the bathroom. There's something just particularly disgusting when people talk out of both sides of their mouth when it comes to their their platform and their core issues. And she forcefully criticized male colleagues as the L.A. Times wrote it up, forcefully criticized them, accused of inappropriate behavior. Yet at the same time, she was having these drinking parties in her office and, and grabbing uh, young staffers' bottoms. Yeah, the the one thing that she was actually investigated for was this complaint by a former legislative staffer, a guy named Daniel Fierro, who said that she was inappropriately touching him during a legislative softball game four years ago, which sounds just like a party. 
um, but that he she was stroking his back and going for his going for his genitals and that sort of thing. <laughs> yes. The fact that you just acted that out with yeah. your hands uh, and then the grab uh, was great. Um, but <laughs> now now here's the thing. The allegations, um, the assembly investigation did not substantiate the complaint made by Daniel. He said he's going to appeal this. But it did find, after they interviewed all of these former staffers, it did find that, that Christina Garcia had commonly and pervasively used vulgar language, used staff to run personal errands, and that she had disparaged other elected officials. I don't remember. If you might uh, you might remember, she used the word homo to describe the mm-hmm. assembly speaker, John Perez, at the time, and then said, ah, it's just something we all say. I have favorite words, too. Some of my favorite words, and I don't know if I can see them on the radio, uh, are sh- and f- Yeah, you could say those on the radio. Why not? Duh. Now, what a horse's ass. Here's the thing that the, it, it's like she's like bragging that her favorite words are. Yeah. And then the I don't know if I could say this on the radio. When could you ever say those words on the radio? Why is that? a Never. I mean, I have people ask me, can you say ass? Well, you can. Can you say it? Well, you can. Can you say? Yes. What? Nothing. <laughs> Um, but, but, if those, you, but if those are two, okay. like, those are the two that no one can but say. Here, here's the thing. If you're in the hot seat for playing it fast and loose with your staff, are you then going to sit down for your first interview with NPR or whatever and say S and F on the radio? Yeah, I throw F and S bombs like they're, uh, like they're Cheerios. Now, the one thing that anyone running against her, the only thing that they have to say is, she has lost all power in Sacramento and is now doing the 58th district a disservice by still running because she has been kicked off of all of her assembly leadership positions. She does have the official backing of the state Democratic Party. Duh. They, but unlike other candidates that the state party has endorsed, uh, she's not appearing on mailers. They have not given her financial help to her campaign. They did pick up a $26,000 poll that was done in her district. Listen, the Democratic Party may be supporting her with money, but unions have turned against her. The state building trades union. And that's all that counts. Uh, they spent more than a half a million dollars just since late April on some anti-Christina Garcia TV ads. Um, they... They say, the union's uh, spokesperson says, Christina Garcia embodies every part of the bully that we teach our children not to be. She was intolerable to so many because of her conduct. And again, she was removed from all legislative committees by the Assembly Speaker as a result of uh, the workplace that she fostered there. Remember the keg parties, the keg that she had in her office, the encouraging staffers to play spin the bottle and all of that. She can only do floor votes. She has zero power in committee, and that's where all your power comes from. I mean, that, so she's she's absolutely been uh, handcuffed, I guess, in terms of any sort of power for the 58th district in uh, in Sacramento. So if yeah, I there's no way she can win, he said. But I I can't imagine that she's going to be able to pull this off. The stuff that goes on up there. What is it with the? What is it with the, the people that that we pay to do their job uh, needing to, you know, get their rocks off or whatever you call it? <laughs> you know, like having a game of spin the bottle in the office. What the hell? You know, a keg in the office. 
I, I don't know. Is it because you're trying to be something that you th- don't you like think you're trying you feel to act like- a part that you believe is what's supposed to happen as opposed to just being yourself, you know, sort of sticking to what got you there in the first if place? If the taxpayers elected you, Gary Hoffman, mm-hmm. to a position, right. wouldn't you take that with supreme seriousness and probably go the extra mile not to have a beer in the office or I don't know. It just seems like an odd juxtaposition of. So no Guardian and Horan no at a job at that the taxpayers pay you to do well, to yes, look out for them. But that's the difference between between me and someone like her is that I I would look at it as a responsibility. I've yeah. been given a responsibility to do things correctly uh, and and represent the people of my district, whoever that might be. But wait a minute again. No alcohol at all? Are you running for office? No. Somebody said that to me last weekend. Well... No. Your passion is coming through right now. Maybe My no passion. No. Why not? I don't want that. Nobody wants that. <laughs> uh, hey, join us for an elegant evening way up above Los Angeles. It's the KFI... Gary's campaign no, kickoff party. No, it is party. not. <laughs> KFI benefit for the American Red Cross. <laughs> Get prepared, California. For your donation, you and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers at the OUE Sky Space in downtown L.A., unlimited sky slide rides as well. All of us are going to be there. All the KFI hosts and news people will be there so you can come and hang out. Monday, October 1st from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Now, you do have to be 21 years or older to attend, but let me say. We will not be playing spin the bottle. We it, will not be groping anyone. There may be a keg of beer. Yeah, there, there may be. be. Um, but the Q&A session is really the reason why you want to get there because... Listening to John and Ken and Handel and Conway and even this one right here answer all of the questions that you throw at them, us, is pretty fun. We have been learning new things about each of our uh, co-hosts. Here, we have. Uh, every time we do this. 100% of the proceeds benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign. So for all the details on this next mixer coming up October 1st at the OUE Sky Space downtown, Log on to KFIAM640.com and search Mixer. Up next, Morgan Freeman fights back. Bam. This is going to be interesting. Gary and Shannon, KFIAM640. Gary and Shannon, all in the news came out last Thursday about Morgan Freeman and what the media called a bombshell report about eight women who had said that he had inappropriately behaved towards them. And we thought, well, what the hell does that mean, inappropriate behavior? Well, he's mouthy. And he says things. He says one of his statements that he put out over the weekend was that he uh, has an in. Uh, what's the word? He has a desire to make people feel comfortable. Uh, I admit that I'm someone who need, feels a need to try to make women and men feel appreciated and at ease around me. And as a part of that, I would often try to joke and compliment women in what I thought was a lighthearted and humorous way. But clearly, I was not always coming across the way I intended. Morgan Freeman's lawyer has asked CNN to retract its report. 
It's a 10-page legal letter that The Hollywood Reporter got its hands on, and it's addressed to Jeff Zucker, the president of CNN. Claims the story is defamed and inflicted serious injury on Freeman's reputation and career. Freeman's lawyer says they've begun their own investigation into the story, and they've shared some of the findings they've come up with. Of the three people CNN identified as being a victim, the first, CNN's own Chloe Malis, had no reasonable bias, basis, excuse me, no reasonable basis to have interpreted what Mr. Freeman said or did at the Going In Style interview last year as having been directed at her as any form of harassment. Now, what, what he, she accused him of saying or doing, I guess, was when he was on the press junket for Going In Style, the movie that he did with Alan Arkin and Michael Caine, that he grabs her hand and doesn't let go, repeatedly looks her up and down and says more than once a variation of, I wish I was there. Don't know what that means. I'm assuming I wish I was there when the conception took place. And then said something along the lines of, you are ripe. Now, the way that the lawyers put it was the I wish I was there was actually in response to something that Michael Caine had said on stage in response to some reporter's question about the movie. The videotape confirms, they say, that his statement had nothing to do with her and was not harassing. An independent third party, the Warner Brothers HR department, investigated her claim, conducted that or concluded it was not supported by facts. Then the next woman, CNN identified, a woman by the name of Tyra Martin, has gone on record twice since CNN published the article to say that CNN misrepresented what she said and that Mr. Freeman did not harass her. Tyra Martin is a reporter for WGN in Chicago, and they had her on set to answer the question about this. And she explained what happened. Some misreporting got out um, that I uh, was uncomfortable or uh, that he had made sexual remarks to me every time, and that's just not the case. I never said that. And it got picked up, and here's where I've learned how careful we have to be because something gets picked up, and then someone else picks it up, and then it gets somewhere else, and now it's in print, and it looks like the truth, and it's not. Now, there was one instance that she did describe that did make her feel weird, not necessarily uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, or at least that's what the CNN article. There was one instance that I said I told her it gave me pause, <clears throat> um, and it's similar to some of the things that other people have said, mm-hmm. that I stood up uh, from an interview and had on a dress, and you know how when you get up, you kind of pull your yeah. skirt down. And he made a remark about, oh, well, don't pull it down now. And that was kind of like, but I I never felt uncomfortable or in danger. There's some questions now about how CNN put this story together. Third person CNN, CNN identified Lori McCreary told CNN that Mr. Freeman had never harassed her. It seems like this was coddled together in that and I said it on Thursday at the time in this like gotcha world of what big name can we bring down now and oh that's enough to go on oh he said that about your skirt okay you're involved in the story too now I've got two names how many more can I get let me dig up some more stuff I mean if we're all going to go back and be judged by comments we have made taken out of context for our entire careers holy hell That's not where we want to go. Well, the CNN entertainment reporter who was a co-author on the piece was the only victim who spoke on the record for that piece. 
There were 16 women total. And that's eight not of a them, conflict. Right. Eight <laughs> of them were said to have been victims of whatever the harassment was or unwanted comments of a sexual nature. Eight others were ones who described it having been done to someone else who, have wit- who had witnessed it. But, but none of them, it appeared, rose to a level that would have it would have demanded that Morgan Freeman lose money as a result of Who's that. the news director at CNN that had a reporter that came to him or her and said, hey, Morgan Freeman was uh, mouthy with me. And he said, OK, do a story on it. Find some other women just like yourself. That's that's completely irresponsible. You would give it to another reporter to investigate her claim and then do an independent investigation of the woman who feels like she was wronged. Yeah. I agree. Good Lord. Off. Uh, I didn't. Dude, you're mad like I did it. I didn't do it. See, if you ran for office, we wouldn't have problems like this. <laughs> Knock it off. I don't want that to happen. No. I think that was the firmest you've ever been on a topic. <laughs> no, you may not speak of that. Uh, all right. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to do all of what's trending, get some stuff, uh, get some of the big things going, like uh, ABC canceling Roseanne. There's also a story out of um, out of Dayton, Ohio. A guy who played high school football made headlines for playing high school football despite the fact he didn't have legs has now been arrested. We'll explain that whole situation because it's pretty crazy when we come back. And even when your hope is gone, move along, move along just to make it through. Shannon, did you hear about uh, Alexa, how the church is using Alexa to spread Christianity? One bread, one body, one body, one body, yesterday, one Lord of all, one Lord of all, I don't know the melody. No, it, you had it until the last syllable there, but um, <laughs> yesterday when you were singing uh, religious songs, you said one bread, one, one cup. Bread, one <laughs> cup. I don't know. Which kind of makes sense, you know, the, the bread of right. Christ the, and the, the, the blood of Christ. Right, sure. I mean not the body of far. Christ, not the bread of Christ. You know what I mean? Well, the bread was the body. Right. I mean, yes. Okay. One bread, one body. What the hell else is going on? Time for What's Happening. I'd I'd go to a church service that we did. Uh, All right. ABC has announced that they are going to cancel Roseanne following uh, a tweet that she fired off uh, earlier today. Roseanne's Twitter statement, according to ABC, is abhorrent, repugnant, and inconsistent with our values, and we've decided to cancel her show. Again, this was... After, I don't know if it was a surprise, but it was a very, very popular reboot or return, I guess, to Roseanne. And then quick announcement that they were going to do a second season because it had been so successful. Now that's gone, completely gone. She went on this Twitter rampage ranting about Chelsea Clinton and then went turned her sights on Valerie Jarrett. It's like, what are we doing here? What what are you what are you uh, yelling about Valerie Jarrett in 2018 for? Any chance that uh, she blames this on uh, you know hitting the liquor cabinet a little early last night? And, it doesn't matter. Uh, she she described okay so she compared Valerie Jarrett to the Planet of the Apes. She was saying that 
It looked like the Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby. She apologized eventually today to Valerie Jarrett, to all Americans, before announcing that she was going to quit Twitter forever. That must have been the olive branch there to when ABC called her up and said, what the hell are you doing? And she says, well, I'll quit Twitter. And then they, they waited to see the snowball, and boy, was it big. Yeah, I this was I think this was just crossing their T's and dotting their I's to make sure before they put the announcement out there. The thing is, her her comment about Valerie Jarrett was in response to some some conspiracy theory that suggested that Valerie Jarrett was helping hide CIA. I don't know. I, I I've already lost interest as to what prompted it in the first place. It's so incredibly tone deaf and so ridiculous that she would write and that. not even funny. And now people are on social media complaining about uh, how ABC doesn't believe in free speech. That's not what that is. Roseanne is one of the names that you think of when you think of ABC, especially with this resurgence of the program. They're protecting their brand. That's not an infringement on free speech. Your free speech is guaranteed to you by the Constitution that the government cannot tell you what you can or cannot say. It's not Not your private employer. Not freedom from consequences when you make a dumb comment like that. Bingo. Aliso Viejo is in the news. You heard in Julie's uh, news there at the top of each hour that it looks like federal prosecutors did not have enough to keep the guy that they had arrested. They dropped the criminal case against a man from Long Beach. This was that bombing at the beauty salon in Aliso Viejo that killed that 48-year-old esthetician. They arrested her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend because it seems like he would build rockets and things at home. What's the coincidence? What are the chances of that coincidence, right? She's killed by a bomb. He makes uh, rockets. He had been accused in the criminal complaint, not of anything to do with her bombing death, but for possessing an unregistered destructive device. Well, they found that further investigation by the FBI found that this what they found really isn't a destructive device. Yeah. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that he's not connected to this. It's just that what they found in the house wouldn't wouldn't meet that criteria that would requ- that is required to actually hold him on this. But they so they could still potentially tie him to this. But that's a first of all, that's the weird connection. Just happens to be a bomb that kills this woman. And this guy has some things in his house that are bomby. Maybe not big bomby, but bomby enough that people would look at him. That's weird. The man who was missing in the Maryland flash floods, the body has now been found. Eddie Herman. He disappeared. The searchers have find, found his body. Uh, 39 years old. He was there to help. He was a sergeant with the National Guard, an Air Force veteran, had a 13-year-old son. He went out inside, outside a restaurant's parking lot to help a woman escape the floodwaters with her cat. He slipped, and the current swept him away. It sucks even more that he was, I mean, he was out there to help somebody when yeah. that happened. Speaking of the, uh, the bad weather, a news anchor and a t- uh, cameraman were killed when a tree fell on their SUV in North Carolina. They were on assignment covering some of the bad weather that's been moving through there. Uh, A state trooper said the tree fell across Highway 176 near Tryon, North Carolina, at about 2.30 in the afternoon, hitting the vehicle that belonged to WYFF Television. 
Um, the anchor, Mike McCormick, and the cameraman, Aaron Smeltzer, were heading to a story when they were killed. Hurricane Maria is in the news because it looks like the death toll for that hurricane that hit in September was 70 times higher than Puerto Rican officials have let on. It's a complete mismanagement over there. Uh, The people in the months that followed eight months later are still left in large swaths without water, without electricity. Medical aid was so slow to arrive for people that they were essentially um, given no hope in, in some situations and killed because of inaction. You've got to believe 64 was the last death toll we saw. But that complete mismanagement and failure to respond to emergency um, has has risen to forty six hundred forty five. That is a massive death number. And uh, I I can't believe I haven't seen any criticism of the administration on this because Puerto Rico is one of our territories. It's not New Orleans, but hell, President Bush got a lot of flack for his inaction. And it's it's pretty embarrassing that we weren't able to do something do something better at least get in there and tell them how to respond to the the emergency uh there was a story trending out of new uh the new orleans area a gospel televangelist with a worldwide audience is now making a call for more donations jesse duplantis uh a prosperity gospel televangelist specifically is asking for money not to spread God. Well, I guess to kind of spread God's word, but not to help widows and orphans or sick people, or people down on their luck. He wants to buy a jet, a $54 million jet, well, he's a got, Dassault Falcon 7X. He's got a reason for this. Yeah, go on. He says, I really believe that if the Lord Jesus Christ was physically on earth today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. He'd be at an airplane flying all over the world. Oh. So he can spread the word. Wait a minute. More efficiently. Okay. I don't know if he's read the book that he's holding, but the there was a very specific reason that the Jesus rode into town on a donkey. Tell me more. Well... Hashtag one bread, one body. Wouldn't it be a whole lot easier to celebrate a guy who was rolling around in a G5 or something like that, as opposed to the guy who rolls into town on the donkey? The son of a poor carpenter. Now, yes. The young boy who would captivate audiences at 12 years old. It doesn't take faith to believe in the God that comes in with the lightning bolts and the G5 and and the posse. Preach, brother. Right? But it takes a little bit more faith to believe in the guy uh, whose hands are all dirty and calloused. And he's wearing sandals and he's camping for so long with these other 12 guys. Yes, he's got sawdust in his hair. He doesn't look like a king. He's riding a donkey. So this is why you're not going to run for office. You're going to become a minister. <laughs> Apparently, if I do it like Jesse does, there's some money in it. I like this path. All right. Coming up next, the man born without legs who went on to play high school football. He's back in the news. We'll tell you why. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and 
Shannon, you, you can join us for an evening high atop L.A. It's the KFI benefit for the American Red Cross to get prepared California. A little cocktail appetizer mixer for your donation. You and a guest enjoy cocktails and appetizers up at the beautiful OUE Sky Space in downtown L.A. All the KFI hosts and news people are going to be there, so you come hang out. Put some faces to the voices that you hear every day. Join us Monday, October 1st. That's when it's going to be. So there's plenty of time for you to plan, clear that schedule. Monday, October 1st. Now, you do have to be 21 years or older to attend, but part of that is because of Shannon's potty mouth when we do the Q&A session. So just to protect the children from, you know, their their ears. 100% of the proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign. For all the details, log on to KFIAM640.com and search the word mixer. Bobby Martin. Ever heard of him? I have. Only because I read the story earlier today, and I remembered vaguely the story of why the name is familiar in the first place. Bobby Martin is 30 years old. He gained national attention back in 2005, 13 years ago, for playing football at Colonel White High School in Dayton, Ohio, despite being born without legs. Now he's back in the news because he got into a little trouble with the law. He was driving one of the 8 to 10 ATVs that were traveling on North Main Street at about midnight. Those are not um, Those are not generally street legal. Yeah, you can't do that. The police show up and several of the ATVs take off in different directions. An officer tails Bobby Martin, who was driving at a high rate of speed, a blue Kawasaki ATV to the railroad tracks. And ended up ditching it and was found on the ground crawling towards some nearby bushes while the ATV was on its side. When asked his That's... name, he said, it's me, Bobby. <laughs> Everybody knows him. It's him, Bobby. He was literally crawling to the bushes. when the Well, police... he doesn't have legs. I know, but they couldn't have found some other way to describe what he was doing. I guess there is no other way. You can't say he was walking to the bushes. He was making or... his way to the, trying to hide in the That's bushes. That's good. He was You're trying right. to make that his way to the bushes. You're right. That was a little bit unfair. Crawling to the bushes. It's me. It's Bobby. Um, the story that we've uh, been watching all morning is the uh, the story that Roseanne has been canceled by ABC. The story specifically is that... Uh, people were concerned. I don't know if people were concerned. People were skeptical whether or not ABC would have anything to do with canceling Roseanne because of how successful the show was. It was the third highest rated show on television this year behind Sunday Night Football and This Is Us. And Rose and it was the first I think it was the, the highest rated comedy show in four years on television to the point where after the first few episodes, ABC said, we will absolutely sign you up for a full second season. And then, and then. Yeah, it's too bad. It was kind of like uh, ABC's answer to NBC's This Is Us. Yeah. Like, all right, you've got this new emotional show. Well, we'll get people's emotions by going through the Nostalgia cha- cha- channel. You know, and it really did that. A lot of people really enjoyed it. It kind of picked up where it left off and. It's just too bad that she had to ruin it for everybody. A bunch of people called her out for uh, for her comment that Valerie Jarrett looks like the Muslim Brotherhood and the Planet of the Apes had a baby. Wanda Sykes was a consulting producer on the show. She immediately quit. 
and there was some talk that maybe she was the one putting pressure on ABC to uh, to drop the show, which doesn't make any sense. If she quits, she's just out. I don't, I don't yeah, think it, she would be doing that. ABC is going to lose money in the short short term, short run, but in the long run, this was the thing to do. Somebody, I think it was Michael Smirkonish, wrote, uh, on a racism scale, this was about a 9, but yeah. on a stupidity scale, it was about a 10. Yeah. Just the, the dumbest thing to write. And to write and then say something like, oh, it was a, it was a joke in bad taste. Like, it, it didn't, it fell a little flat in the room. There's, you know, there's no there room ba- where that. Right. There are bad jokes, and then there's just blatant racism. Just, you know, it, you go beyond bad taste there. The uh, the president of ABC said Roseanne's Twitter statement is abhorrent, repugnant, and inconsistent with our values, and we've decided to cancel her show. There was only one thing to do, and that was the right thing, according to uh, to Bob Iger. All right, um, when we come back, we have a bunch of Swamp Watch stuff we're going to be getting into, including a, a good, I don't know if good is the right word, a strange fight between a couple of former aides who worked for the president who are going after each other after this months-long affair that they had that resulted in a little baby. Ooh. Yeah, oh, he's still married. Did I tell you that? Also, Italy's having a bit of a political crisis, and it's hurting our markets. We'll tell you all about it. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon. Well, one of the uh, the headline stories of the day is uh, Roseanne Barr under fire for her tweet. Now that ABC canceled the show, her talent agency has dropped her. The target of her tweet was Valerie Jarrett, the former White House advisor to uh, President Obama. And as it turns out, um, Valerie Jarrett is going to be on TV tonight. MSNBC is doing an hour-long uh, town hall tonight on everyday racism. They're doing it sort of in conjunction with the training that's going on at Starbucks. Wow, that's the topic, huh? Yeah. So fascinating. It, I bet Roseanne didn't know that. <laughs> so they are going to, that's tonight if you are interested in watching MSNBC. Dow's down about 445, and it looks like we've got Italy to blame. Italy uh, is going through some political issues. The Italian president there has blocked the formation of a coalition government, and they're saying that that move raises the idea, the prospect, that a populist coalition could gain ground, lead to an exit from the Eurozone, uh, similar to Brexit. Quiddily is what it's called, the movement, or it'll exit. Allah. I like quiddly better. I do too. Not that anyone's asking. But the markets have plunged worldwide as investors worry that this growing political issue in Italy could lead to it withdrawing from the Eurozone, just like we saw with Britain. Hmm. Uh, the Dow was down more than 500 points at one point, about 2%. Uh, along those lines, in terms of trade, the, the administration says it's going to go ahead with actions to crack down on Chinese trade practices by June. 30th, there was a press release from the White House today that said the president is planning further export controls against China to counter Chinese intellectual property theft. Tariffs on Chinese tech exports believed to have uh, contained actually stolen American intellectual property. 
25% tariff will be levied on $50 billion of technological goods imported from China. And the uh, the administration has pledged to continue litigating the issue in front of the World Trade Organization. We will know in a couple of weeks. They say a June 15th is when they're going to have a list of affected goods. Um, but that these are ongoing discussions with China. They'll continue on these topics. And the U.S. looks uh, looks forward to resolving longstanding structural issues and expanding our exports by eliminating China's severe import restrictions. Just a random yes, thought. Yes, of course. Do you think Trump will weigh in on this Roseanne storm? Um, that's a good question. Let me see if he has yet. I don't think there has been anything. I don't know if – no, he hasn't, he hasn't said anything yet um, because – he called her to congratulate her on the success of her show. Yeah, there's a relationship there. Um, and Donald Trump Jr. even retweets some of her, I guess you could call them controversial tweets. Like there's a, there's a, there's definitely a relationship there. Yeah. And I, I wonder if he weighs in on that, if he can help from weighing in on that. I what sort of, uh, uh, what do you call it, schedule he's got today, if there's an opportunity for reporting. Because... If he's if he's in front of reporters, they'll ask him about it. Yes. So it would be interesting. I'll have to check the schedule to see if anything comes out of that. Um, the other big news out of D.C. is that there are ongoing talks in a few different places around the world today to figure out whether or not we're going to see a summit coming up in June between the president and the uh, the leader of North Korea. Now, South Korea is desperately trying to manage this crisis between our president and the leader of North Korea. Because the crisis is going to play out in their front yard. <laughs> yeah, and, and they don't want any sort of military action. Now, I, I think that's still far down the road. The idea of military action against North Korea is pretty far down the road, even if there is no talk between uh, or no talks between President Trump and Kim Jong-un. But the um, we know today that there are there are representatives of North Korea on their way to New York, and they're probably going to be meeting with Mike Pompeo in New York. And then we also know that there's an, uh, there are people in Singapore specifically who are talking about the actual logistics of a meeting there in Singapore. And then also talks going on in just north of the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea, where they're talking about an agenda for whatever meeting would take place, whether it's June 12th or, you know, uh, a little bit later in the uh, year, possibly, but it is in it is definitely going on. I mean, these ongoing talks continue despite the fact that on Thursday the president wrote a letter and said we're we're scrapping it. Rudy Giuliani, uh, Ru- Rudy Giuliani has maybe paid the popularity price for joining President Trump's legal team, once called uh, America's Mayor, I believe. Right, yep. was uh, back in the Bronx for a Yankees game yesterday in celebration of his birthday. They put it up and they make the announcement in the park, you know, and a happy birthday to Rudy Giuliani and the boos were more than audible. It was widespread booing. I mean, what a fall in popularity in the Bronx in New York because of his uh, because of his headlines, I guess you could say, about the Russia investigation. He was on uh, CNN State of the Union on Sunday called into question the uh, Russia investigation. He defended Trump's political attacks on the Mueller team and called James Clapper and John Brennan two clowns. He is <laughs> filterless. Uh, he doesn't have anything to, to play for anymore. He's never going to be elected to office anymore, right? I mean, 
he had a couple of runs for president there that didn't go anywhere. And, but but in a city like that, he was loved for a long time. Uh, yeah. That's weird. That is weird. Uh, the president, uh, according to The Hill, the president has bashed his commerce secretary. Now, there was... They, he said, uh, supposedly, that uh, Wilbur Ross is no longer a killer, that he's past his prime. And this all in connection with these ongoing talks with uh, China in recent weeks. The re- Wilbur Ross, 80-year-old guy, head of the Commerce Department, um, has not been taking part in a lot of these ongoing discussions with China. And... He's still working with the president on some of the trade issues, but the president has uh, apparently bypassed him in some of these top priority negotiations, counting on other people. He was initially not invited to a summit with Chinese trade officials that was led by Steve Mnuchin, who is a friend of Shannon's. Um, yeah, we, but we he's uh, still, went to a football game together. He is still working on uh, tasks like uh, researching potential foreign car tariffs as well. We, we Again, at the same this, let me report. This is not a sourced report. No. This is not a sourced report. Um, so that's. I have Hillary Clinton's dream job. It's not president. It is not president. Well, is it, it may have been at one time. Does it is no it, longer. Uh, involve Chardonnay? Uh, it could. It very well could. All right. We'll do that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. It's crazy, crazy. Shannon, KFI AM 640. Hey, coming up after Julie's news at the top of the hour, we will go live up to Chris Ann Carlo, who was in the courtroom during the longest court appearance the Golden State Killer has sat through. And we'll find out what happened. I know they were arguing a motion whether or not to unseal some search documents, including an inventory of what was taken from his home. We heard some eerie story from an investigator that worked in the cold case unit on the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Office uh, about one of the things found in the home, and it was really eerie, actually. It was oh, they... the computer screen yeah. that had a like a, uh, a towel, a towel over it, and it emanated this, like, this glow that Paul Holes remembered hearing about from several of the victims that this guy, when he was raping the women back then, he would put a towel over the t- he'd turn on the TV and then put a towel over it and then commit his crimes under that same glow. Ugh. Uh, we're in the middle of Swamp Watch talking about what's going on in D.C. The president um, is on his way. I think he's Marine One is on its way to uh, Joint Base uh, Andrews, where he's going to then head to Nashville. He's going to be in Nashville today for his uh, campaign rally later on. He does also have a dinner planned with some supporters, et cetera, at roundtable. So there is a uh, potential that we could see some questions asked of him and this uh, Roseanne thing. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's just the fact that he has a relationship with her and whether or not he's going to say something uh, that people can try to get him on. Um, and this was one – we talked a little bit about this yesterday. There was a, a, a photo – that showed immigrant children being held in cages at detention centers. And 
people were saying, you know, this is a horrible uh, policy and the president should stop this. And, you know, look what uh, look what Trump is doing to these immigrant, poor immigrant children. When, in fact, the photo was four years old and it was an Obama era picture, even though everybody was blaming the the conditions that you were seeing in there on what was going on under this president. Um, He went on to say, and this is here's the thing. He wins that one. I mean, they got it wrong. They just simply got the thing wrong. Well, they got the picture wrong. Right. But they also highlight something that is happening. I mean, the kids are being separated. And in some situations, they're not being held in uh, hotel rooms. Yeah, but the idea that this is a new policy. No, yeah, no. It's it's not a new policy, but... You know, it's not like it's a uh, it, it's a it's something that happened four years ago. It happens in this country. And I think that that's what they were they were highlighting. But, yeah, I mean, there's something going on with the media and using old pictures for stuff. We saw it with that plane crash. Oh, yeah. The one in Cuba. Right. It's like, are were we just finding any, any old picture of uh, plane crashes or kids in cages and then running with it as today's news? Yeah. Uh, A.J. Delgado and Jason Miller, names that you probably wouldn't recognize in your, unless you're a complete political head. A.J. Delgado and Jason Miller were working for uh, the campaign, for Donald Trump's campaign. And they, during the campaign, had a several months long affair. Now, I know that he, he Jason Miller, I know he's married. I'm not sure about whether or not A.J. Delgado is married or not. But she got pregnant. And oh, they now, AJ's a girl. Yes, AJ Delgado's a girl okay. um, or a woman, and now a mother. They have a ten-month-old right. baby together. Okay, um, they have been tangled in a very bitter custody battle because she is accusing him of abuse, failing to support her, trying to kidnap their son, etc. Jason Miller has denied these allegations. You, the name may be familiar. His face is on CNN every once in a while. I think he's a paid contributor to CNN. He's denied the allegations and accused her of harassment and spreading false and uh, salacious accusations. This sounds like a Tuesday in family court. Oh, it's fantastic. And because we live in a world of social media, you're going to air your case out on Twitter. So sad for the kid. She says, yes, I sadly had to call the cops on Jason about an hour ago. He was standing outside my home like a crazy person in the middle of the street in the rain filming my home. He saw me through a window and was smirking at me like a clown in a horror movie. Um, I felt unsafe. I did the responsible thing. I messaged to him to say the cops were on their way to give him a chance to leave before the police arrived. And then I called the police back and called off the dispatch once he had gone. And then she quickly responded. He wrote something on Twitter. I have no choice but to address this with the judge on an emergency basis at the conclusion of this holiday weekend. And she says, now he's off the reservation. I'm told he's posted a rambling Twitter storm against me. I really do need to file the police report. This isn't normal. Oh, we were wondering about the president and whether he would weigh in on Roseanne and the ABC decision to cancel the show. Uh, Fox News is putting up a picture of him. He is headed to Nashville from the White House for a rally. Reporters are shouting questions at him as he is walking, and he is doing nothing but waving. Ah, he didn't stop. Yeah, sometimes he goes to the microphones. Today he did not. And he (laughs) jumped in the uh, helicopter, and he's now at Joint Base Andrews getting ready to board Air Force One. Uh, Okay, since Hillary Clinton was defeated and the party went nowhere that night, speculation has been churning about what she has her sights set on. 
Okay. After losing her second run at the presidency. Um, she was at Harvard University. She got an award on Friday. And the moderator, uh, Maura Healy, Attorney General of Massachusetts, asked her this hypothetical question. That if she could be chief executive of any company right now, what company would it be? Now, this this surprised me, considering what sort of... Because um, th- this company you've seen in the headlines okay. lately. And it surprised me because of the kind of headlines that this company has been generating. Have not been positive. But she said, without a doubt, without hesitation, she said, Facebook. Hmm. That she would want to be the CEO of... Of Facebook, she'd want to be in charge because of the immense that, power it has. Is that because over of the, the pizza of story where she was selling children? Pizzagate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't is know. Is it because of that... all the fake news that made its way around Facebook about her during the election? <laughs> she does say it was the biggest news. It is the biggest news platform in the world. Yeah, and we can listen to really brilliant, experienced writers, uh, like she mentioned, the Washington Post columnist, and try to keep up with the news. But most people in our country get their news, true or not. From Facebook. So she wants to shape the way she people wants, are getting their news. She wants to be the gatekeeper. She wants to have mind control. Yes, mind control. Well, at least she's honest about it. Uh, all right. We have Chris and Carlo coming up at 120, actually, today. He's going to update us on what's going on with the uh, okay. court case for the latest in the Golden State Killer trial. Uh, but we're going to have to also talk about how Alexa is spreading the word of the Lord. Is she? Is this the Lord on the donkey or the Lord in the in G6? The <laughs> no, probably the donkey. Gary and Shannon will continue after this. But if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes, Gary and Shannon, some big stories happening today. ABC was swift. To cancel Roseanne after she tweeted about Valerie Jarrett. What was the uh, what was the the dumbass joke anyway? Uh, she looks like a Muslim Brotherhood had a baby with Planet of the Apes or something yeah. like that. And it was in response to a link to a story that Valerie Jarrett was hiding some of the CIA spying activity, sort of a conspiracy theory website. It just made no sense. It was stupid. It was a. It wasn't even a. I don't know why she would have thought it was going to be funny or even taken as humorous. But she apologized for it. She apologized specifically to Valerie Jarrett, and then said she's off Twitter forever. Well, she's ABC was quick to cancel her show, and I am just still curious. On I, th- I think the president's going to to weigh in on this because of the relationship he had with Roseanne, Roseanne because of her support of him. Um, because of how popular she is with the uh, with the alt right community, uh, she's in on all those conspiracy theories and things, and it's a massive story. And he loves to weigh in on massive stories. Well, this is yes, that that part of it is true in terms of her politics. Um, she's kind of been all over the place, and I don't remember the original show very much. I wasn't a fan very uh, of the original no. Roseanne show. But it was different in that she was a, in you know, upper Midwest, but she was very liberal in her politics on that show because she was, she had organized, you know, she was a woman who had organized a union for her uh, workplace. Uh, they were very pro-LGBT 
issues talked about on the show, et cetera. And there still were in this version of it recently. It's that her politics in terms of uh, who she was supporting, specifically President Trump, obviously, but that that had all changed and made this an interesting well, and dynamic, I guess. Another layer of that is she uh, be, she was a Trump supporter, as was her as the woman she played, Roseanne Connor, right. because of the way things had changed. You know, people that voted for Trump may not have always voted uh, Republican or whatever. Just things had gotten bad for them. So they kind of felt like the America first thing resonated with them and uh, take care of us first. Let's get us back on our feet first, the whole bit. Um, so there was that layer to it as well. But I don't know. And when you think about it, ABC, there were some people who were skeptical skeptical about whether or not ABC was ever going to do anything about this right. in the hours that they had to think about it because the tweet came out, I think it was very early this morning or late last night that she put out this tweet, because of the success of the show. The way it was rebooted, it came back and had, you know, 10.5 million people watching it. So it was one of the highest rated comedies we've seen in the last decade on television. And over the course of this last year... It was the third highest rated show on television behind Sunday Night Football and This Is Us on NBC. It goes to show you how much ABC thinks that this could cripple them more in the future than just canceling this show. You know, maybe they'd get more heat, more people pulling out of their programming if they didn't have this quick response. Uh, locally, we are going to be hooking up with Chris Carlo coming up next. He was at the hearing for the Golden State Killer and... Today, it was just kind of an argument over motions, what records should be sealed and unsealed. On another local story you'll be hearing about in the afternoon, probably, we've covered it here, of course, USC and their full-time campus gynecologist who had been getting complaints against him for years. He has denied sexually abusing patients, but it did bring down the head of USC and Max Nikias, who resigned on Friday afternoon. This afternoon, LAPD is going to hold a news conference to provide an update into their investigation of Dr. Tyndall. Find out uh, what they could possibly charge him with, if anything. Statute of limitations is going to be up on a lot of those. Because, I mean, if he'd been there for 30 years, but... If Maybe. it wasn't if it wasn't that long ago that one of the nurses finally went to the rape crisis center on campus, then, you know, that was within the last four years. Right. So that could potentially mean that there are some cases that could be prosecuted in all of this. Uh, well, the Church of England is is harnessing Amazon's Alexa voice to answer some very important questions about faith. This is the the church has launched a skill on Alexa which is essentially an app for Alexa. And all you have to do, I think, on their commercials, they tell you to just say the word, open the Church of England, and it switches the skill on. I've got a question. Yes, you. Should we... You in the third pew back there. Should we, in this show, uh, from now on, when we bring up Alexa... Should we call her something else so as not to trigger everybody's machines? Should sure. we call her something you, like... You could uh, say something like Amazon's uh, digital home assistant. No, 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 no. I just thought we'd rename her. We'd come up oh. with a name. Like Jennifer? Uh, Carol? Carol? Uh, Nick, you're you're good. You, na- you named both of our pinatas in the office. Mm. How about 
Jody. Jody. Wow. Jody, that's a good one. Jody, all right. So Jody instead of Alexa. According to the uh, Church of England, the skill is trying to boost everyone's knowledge of the Christian faith by answering questions such as... Jody, did Jesus ride a, a donkey? Jody, what is the Bible? Jody, what does it say in 2 Corinthians? Jody, what does Genesis 18 mean by dropping his seed? Now you're now you're getting a little bit sacrilegious. I'm not saying. What do you mean sacrilegious? People dropping seed. I mean, what are we doing here? Are you going to have to go back and read the book? Is this about Abraham? No. Um, the Church of England is planning to launch similar services for the Google Home and Apple HomePod, of course. They've been getting uh, attention after um, uh, the woman claimed that Amazon was recording her private conversations, if you remember that, and sent it to a person on her contact list. But I do have one of the commercials for uh, for the Church of England. See if I can turn this up and you can listen to what it is that they've been doing. Oh, my gosh, that's loud. That's the end of the first one. Here's the Alexa, ask the Church of England for a prayer for nighttime. Lighten our darkness, Lord, we pray. Alexa, ask the Church of England for a better microphone. That's me. When we come back, Chris and Carlo is going to join us. We're going to talk about the latest uh, court appearance for the uh, Golden State Killer suspect in court today up in Sacramento. Do you have a look like somebody? Just I'm reading the Bible. Bad. What? Oh my God. Blake, mark this down. She's reading the Bible. This, well, you you mentioned spilling your seed and yeah. Genesis. Ezekiel and... twenty three twenty. No. Oh, good. <laughs> this is Genesis. Would you like to read part of it for everyone? Um. Okay. Then Judah, now a reading from Genesis eighteen. Then Judah said to Onan. Go in to your brother's wife and yeah. perform the duty of a brother-in-law to her and right. raise up offspring for your brother. Yes. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he went in to his brother's wife, he would waste the semen on the ground as to not give offspring to his brother. And what he did was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and he put him to death also. Yes. Amen. So he hooked up with his brother's wife and then he had to. died. He was told to. Okay. He was told by God to do that, but he didn't do what God told him to do. Right. I see. And that's why he then was smited. Or well, smitten. smitten. That was eye-opening, guys. Thank you. Check out Ezekiel you know, 2320. You know, there's you more too. to it than just that. There's more parts to it. Ezekiel what? 2320. It's a classic. <laughs> and now, oh and now a reading God. from Ezekiel. <laughs> The, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> is this the? Is this like where you know Should the I bad? Read it or no? You know the bad parts to. Uh, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Yeah. Share them it's with all your friends. Exactly what's happening right now. All right. Well, Chris and Carl is going to join us when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Julie. I don't even think I can read this to you without you going to HR. Tuesday coming. <laughs> Neil Savage is going to join us. We talk about some food news. 
Um, those uh, that sound you hear is the thousands of Starbucks uh, restaurants. Is that what you call them? Locations sure. around the country closing for um, anti-bias training. Uh, they'll be closed for about three hours. If it hasn't closed in your neighborhood, it will. It will very soon. Golden State Killer back in court in Sacramento today. Uh, Chris and Carlo standing by talking to us about what's been going on. Chris, what's happening? Well, I, I need some coffee desperately, so I'm a little sad about all the closures. But no less, uh, you know what, a long hearing today. And it was the longest since uh, Joseph D'Angelo actually made his way into court after being arrested uh, that we've seen him. Um, so it was a solid hour this morning as what was essentially happening, media lawyers were arguing for the release of information contained in the affidavits filed with the search and arrest warrants. So there's a lot of detail in there as to how the investigation you know, went down, just what led them to D'Angelo, uh, what were those final days before the arrest was made, all, all of these kind of unchecked boxes that we're still trying to figure out. Mm. When he didn't pay the bill. I thought that he sounded like he was going to short out because if he doesn't get coffee... It's it's not good. Is that the fuel that's required for that yes. certain broadcast device? Yeah. Um, when we worked together on Sunday mornings out at the, the ballpark, sure. uh, he had at least three thermoses of coffee. Not three cups and of coffee. And he would drink one, and it was like nothing. And he'd get into the second one, and he'd start using his words. And then by the third one... His eyes would open. <laughs> Um, I'm curious as to why it lasted so long, if it was an hour and a half. They, they just talked about the, the motions to unseal the, the documents. Oh, we've got him back on the phone. Oh, there he is. Okay. Hey, Chris, so what were the arguments uh, f- to unseal the documents? Well, I mean, the argument essentially is that uh, it's a First Amendment issue, you know, that the public has a right to know exactly what's going on in the investigation, uh, has a right to know whether or not there could be any potential corruption in the investigation. And also, you know, there's a general right to know, because this is a criminal case, a heinous criminal case, that people should understand how law enforcement operated on this issue and should also understand, you know, the details of a case that essentially terrorized not just one community, but several communities throughout California for a long, long time. And so those are the principal arguments. Now, the defense is saying, whoa, hold on a second. If you guys actually decide to go through with this and you, you want to steal all this information, it's going to taint the witness pool out there. It's going to taint the, uh, the jury pool out there. I think their most compelling argument has to do with the fact that because all of the witnesses are now remembering something that's happened you know, 25, 30, 40 years ago, that it is more easily, uh, their memories are more easily influenced by new information. And uh, they mentioned a study that uh, said exactly that. New information will find its way into witness recollection, and the witness will think, you know, God's honest truth that that is exactly what happened, even though that's not what happened because they're absorbing some new detail that they learned of through a media report on the investigation. And that's what the judge is going back and forth with. And it was interesting also to hear the judge and also the defense cite a uh, case of prominence here in California, of course, Michael Jackson's case, uh, in saying that, you know, this was one of those points where they decided to steal a lot of the information because of the notoriety of Michael Jackson, the notoriety of the case. How could they possibly get a, uh, a fair trial 
Um, so essentially they're comparing Joseph D'Angelo and his infamy to Michael Jackson and his fame, which I thought was a interesting argument to play out. The media lawyer was saying, you know what, uh, in the Night Stalker, the original Night Stalker case, um, you know, we didn't have any issues in terms of an unfair trial with that. Uh, and there was a exhaustive media coverage. He cited a few other cases where there was extensive media coverage and they were able to find jurors. They were able to, you know, the witnesses were uncorrupted. And so, therefore, this is tenuous ground that the defense is standing on to uh, essentially deny the release of these details. So what's happening right now as we speak, uh, a judge is wiping his face. And he's finishing his lunch, and he's going to turn around on his desk, and he's going to get right back to reading. And he's going to read through these 70 pages of affidavit to figure out what needs to be redacted and what should not be redacted. Because the other thing I didn't mention is that, of course, up here in Sacramento, we call it the East Area Rapist. And um, there are all of these cases of sexual assault that have not been released that are contained theoretically within that affidavit. And there are many of those people who don't want to be named. And, of course, when you talk about covering sexual assault, privacy weighs supreme. And so that adds another wrinkle to how all of this is playing out. And there are just the two murder charges that he's being brought up there in uh, brought up on there in Sacramento County. Is there information there that would pertain to other murder cases as well? Yeah, you nailed it, Gary. That is uh, another principal question that was asked by the judge, which was, Listen, we've got all of these other cases that are contained within these affidavits. And if we release this information, will that influence the investigation in other places like theoretically Santa Barbara County or Ventura County or Orange County? And could that perhaps uh, upset their investigation? And also Contra Costa County. I mean, there are so many different places where this uh, where the, the tentacles of, of this case just reach throughout California. And so there's a lot of worry about how um, not to influence things in the wrong direction. You don't want to get a case this prominent wrong. I think there is some caution because of that uh, exuding from the judge. If, if I yeah. could just, in my sense of the judges, he was leaning toward redacting as much as possible. We won't find that out for sure, though. It makes sense. I mean, public access is one thing, but ensuring a fair trial when its size of this thing is just mammoth, I think you would err on the side of caution in terms of releasing information. Chris, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, sorry, I'm on the phone, guys. That's right. Chris and Carlo there up in Sacramento, the latest uh, hearing that is uh, still continuing now with the uh, Golden State Killer suspect in in court once again. Marinating meat. Ooh, I got a lot of questions. You do? Well, I have one question. Okay. Yeah. I felt like that was... An exaggeration for some reason. Neil Saavedra. I'm glad I nailed us. that down. The fork reporter. We, are, we don't want to miss one golden marinating meat question when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Hey, Nick. Yes, yeah, Shannon. What did the corn use for money? I don't know. What did the corn use for money? Cornbread. Uh-huh. Play the music. You're know, like bread, money. Yeah, you got it. Yes. Let you know, me teach you how to. Yeah, no, I don't. You don't get it? No. Some people call money bread. Like how much bread you make. Mm. I've never once heard that. You've never heard that. Nope. Oh man. <laughs> bread winner. There you go. Gary and Shannon. On uh, Tuesdays in the one o'clock hour, we welcome in Neil Saavedra, the fork reporter. Try to clean up the messes that we've made it to this point in the day. Nothing. 30 minutes Angers to clean it all Gary up. Yeah. more like an explained joke. Mm. I have, uh, I still have some 
twitches. It's like muscle twitches from that. One day, what I want to do is get Diane Keaton in here and have her explain a joke. <laughs> oh my! God. And then just watch his head explode. You have an issue with Diane Keaton? Why? Yes. And I'm trying to think of this. Somebody said the uh, the movie Father of the Bride was one of the greatest movies ever made, and I love Steve Martin. It's a that's all. It's a good movie, but Diane Keaton. Having watched it again recently, like within the last two months, I had to I had to sit there. I was doing it as a treat to my daughter, and I know my wife loves the movie as well. So I was doing it to be nice to them, holding my tongue while Diane Keaton was on screen. I don't know what it is. It's the it's the it put upon ditzy. <laughs> Every character's the same. Did you when when you watched it with your wife and daughter? Did mm. you wear your bird shirt? No. Pomegranate margarita? No, but I should have. Just checking. No. Anyway, let's talk about some meats. Marinating meat. Meats is. Meats. This is one of those things. um, Probably going to get some hate mail. People are serious about. People get freaked out about grilling to begin with, and they want to do things that scientifically have no background or basis in them, like leaving meat out to become room temperature which would make it rotten and not edible. <laughs> and uh, cooking, roasting chicken in your grill on top of a can of beer to infuse it with the beer. Be which careful. Is, Be careful. Which is impossible <laughs> because the mass of the bird and the mass of the beer become one once it's shoved in its carcass. And at that point, if it were to boil at 212 degrees, the chicken would be at 212 degrees, which would be Gummy. overcooked. It'd be jerky at that point. So there's a lot of stuff like that, and we all do it. We all do. We we hear these things that are passed down to us, and we think, oh, they're great. Marinating is one of those things. Guys love to marinate for a couple reasons. Guys love to overcomplicate any everything. Anything they can overcomplicate, they will overcomplicate, and then they'll go, yeah. Uh, women look at this and go, you don't need to do that for three days. Throw that in there for an hour. You're going to be fine, which is why we need them in our lives. <laughs> On a side note. Uh, but marinating, it, it really doesn't go uh, deep into the flesh. It depends. Now, of course, if you're using lean meats, you want to – marinades are great. You know, um, skirt steak, uh, chicken, things like that, a shrimp, which you know Gary doesn't eat. But – you you marinate these things, they'll be great. It, it really imparts flavor. The tenderizing myth is a little strange. Acids can tenderize, but acids can also cook and break down. I mean, when you have a ceviche, it's not technically raw. It's cooked by the acid, uh, which uh, breaks down the bacteria and allows you to eat it in what seems to be like a raw state. So there is something to the acid part of marinades as it will break through certain tissue. But if you have them on there for too long, it won't penetrate deeper per se. It'll just start to break down the flesh and make it rubbery and yucky. Mm. So if you're going for it, it really can be a, a not so tasty. Uh, but you're, you really break them down into a couple things, acids, oils, and aromatics. Oils are obvious, but... The type of oil you use is going to be based on whether it's a neutral oil, like a vegetable oil, corn oil, those types of things, versus uh, a nut oil, or you get into 
olive oils or things like that that have distinct flavor uh, to them as well. We've talked before about um, the potential to use even just salt and pepper on, say, a hamburger patty or something like Heaven that. Heaven forbid. But you've said that uh, the salt, if you if you add it to the the beef as you're mixing it up or, or creating your patties, that it will actually change the... Yes. If you add the salt to the ground beef and then make the patties, they, they will be it will tighten the muscle. It will tighten it up. And all of these chemicals, salt, uh, the response, the, the acids are going to change the the meat that you're marinating. And depending on the type, some really thick uh, cuts, you're going to want to maybe do a 24-hour marinade. The reason why a rub or something like that you want to do for longer is because the the uh, chemical process, the salt on a dry rub, actually extracts the liquid from the meat, mixes it with the dry rub, and then it sucks it, it back, back up. But that takes 45 minutes or more for just to do that that process, so you want it to to be longer. But if you're using a wet marinade or a brine, it's gonna it's gonna do that in a much smaller time frame. We just tend to end up doing it longer, and sometimes you end up ruining the cut of meat if it's there for too long. So go for flavor. If it tastes good, uh, last night um, I did a pineapple pineapple garlic uh, oregano sriracha salt and pepper. Uh, marinade on chicken, and it was fantastic. You get a, the sweetness, but the acid from the pineapple juice, and it, uh, it's, it was really lovely, and then you can cook it off. Another thing with marinades is people will put the marinade in a bag, which is fine, a Ziploc bag. You want to you make sure it's neutral and doesn't react to acid. No aluminum uh, uh, or things like that or uh, cast iron. And... But what they'll do is after you remove the meat, they'll use the marinade on something, and it's had all that raw bacteria in it. Mm. So if you're going to do that, throw it in a pot. I just throw it in a pot, and I put it right on the on the grill and let it bring uh, to a boil for about three minutes. And then you can use it based, uh, use it for whatever you want. Uh, and then the question that I came up with about marination is, does vacuum sealing something make the marinade penetrate any more? Uh, I don't know that it makes it any more, but it makes it uh, more quickly. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, you can a lot of chefs do that. They have these vacuum sealers that are used specifically for things that have liquid in them. So not only can you vacuum, like you know, the tra- traditional ones we have at home, you can vacuum seal meats or whatever. But sometimes liquid is not always great because it'll start to suck the liquid out. Right. A trick is to let it hang over the side of a counter or something and let gravity keep the liquid from going in. So you can do it, but that will end up making it penetrate more quickly. I wouldn't say it would go any deeper. We have a question from the audience. Those infomercials that you see of like uh, it'll like it pulls the marinade through the meat. I don't know how it does it, but mm. like I've seen an infomercial for like a machine that does that. How legit is that? Well, if there's doing anything like uh, you see on people barbecuing like grill masters or what have you, they inject, you're injecting it. Yes, that is going into the meat. You are creating a new cavity and it's going inside the meat. Mm. Uh, the amount of pressure you'd have to have to have to pull that through the entirety of the meat is pretty intense. So if it's not creating new holes to go into the meat, um, then I'd be curious as to how they were doing it. All right, coming up next, the 
all the hot items for summer of 2018. I guess you could call it strange summer foods. It's like strange science, but different. Gary and Shannon will continue with Neil Savage, the Fork Reporter. Neil Saavedra has joined us, the Fork Reporter. You hear the Fork Report Saturdays, 2 to 5, right here on KFI. And uh, various times throughout the week when he graces us with his presence. Yeah, consider yourself graced <laughs> when I waddle in. This there, summer hey, of, let's talk about food. The summer of 2018 in strange eating. Uh, rose marshmallows. Could have seen that one coming. It doesn't sound half bad, though. It doesn't sound bad, but... Everyone's trying to capitalize on last summer's big rosé summer, right? Every, everything was rosé last year, so it's like, what's the next uh, incarnation of that? Marshmallows are having a moment. Yeah, they've actually had a moment for a little a bit of time. There was a there was an influx of them uh, for a while, the artisan marshmallows, and then you know the crappy ones have fallen off, and now the really good ones have stayed. Can we go back to a second? You said artisanal marshmallows. Yeah. What is a marshmallow? I mean, I know what a marshmallow is. Sugar, how do you jelly, make all sorts? How do you of make it different? Coconut, little well, flower candy company. If you've ever been there, they do great artisanal marshmallows, cinnamon marshmallows. Uh, yeah, small small batch. <laughs> I didn't know. I yeah. guess it's a thing. Not okay. Oak barrel cured. No, no. <laughs> no, but they they really do. It's like ar- artisanal ice cream. I know you think, well, you got cream and eggs, you got a creme anglaise or whatever base, and you freeze it. But really, if you have really well-done ice cream, uh, it's a thing of beauty. And you can taste the difference between something that's processed and made en masse versus something that is handcrafted. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm going out and buying bags of those instead of the Fluff Puff or whatever brand that we've had since we were kids. It's, just, it's a novelty. Just yeah. novelty okay. stuff. All right. I'm not going to do it. Stay puffed is not a real one. That is the that's from the movie. Either way, it makes perfect. Can I tell you? Yes. There is a uh they were limited. There was a version of Stay Puffed marshmallows that were out on the market for a very small amount of time. When Ghostbusters came out? Uh no, it was within the last handful of years. Oh, maybe yeah. It connects with the new Ghostbusters. Who knows? What else can we expect this summer? You know, the the Condiments have a battle going on because mm-hmm. you have almost, yeah, pretty much almost a hundred percent of the market for mayonnaise goes to two brands. So you've had you have Hellman's, and then you have Kraft. Now Kraft can't use because they have Miracle Whip because of the ratio. Legally, there's a certain ratio of egg to oil. Uh, in this emulsion that we call mayonnaise, that you have to have to call it mayonnaise legally. If you don't have that, you can't legally call it mayonnaise, which is why they call it Miracle Whip. But you're looking at the majority um, of the market, really, these two brands, and there's not a whole lot of places you can go. People are buying less mayonnaise because they think it's unhealthy. And so you've got them battling for, for this, for supremacy, and along comes the thought, hey, we're going to mix up mayo and ketchup 
because people do it anyways. You have fry sauce, ghost sauce, Russian like dressing. Thousand Island, right? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of got that that flavor. Thousand Island has um, usually relish, I think, relish in yeah. it and things like that. But uh, so they, I guess you've got the the folks at Heinz uh, coming up with mayo chup, mm. which is not appetizing in the slightest. Oh. And one of the things, imagine as a kid, did you ever get Slurpees as a kid? Sure. Okay, did you ever do a suicide? Of course. Okay. Would it have been as good if it came that way? Like you, just, oh, like the suicide yeah, yeah. flavor? Like the novelty no. of no. mixing them yeah. and yeah. So really you're building your ratio, and I think that that goes with whether it's fry sauce or Russian dressing or Dutch sauce, whatever you call it, golf sauce. You're mixing your ratio of mayonnaise to ketchup. And... They've tried to mess with ketchup over the years. They've changed its color. Originally, ketchup, you go into the history of ketchup, talk about a rabbit hole. It, it was Tomatoes came way later. Ketchup was made with a bunch of things long before it was ever made with, with tomatoes. It's really the inferior version of the original uh, sauce, which is an Asian sauce. But it's super popular. People don't want it messed with. You've got uh, new varieties coming out with honey instead of sugar. Does anybody want French fries kind of really do, badly yes. right like now? Big old steak fry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. I mean, nobody even said Meat. French fries, what? but we've said ketchup a hell of a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. The minute you hear that, you're like, I'm in. Uh, so these different things that they're trying to do with with ketchup and now this mashup, they're trying to push. They're trying to make fetch a thing. I think. <laughs> I don't know that it's going to happen. I, uh, so they're they're saying that this is like the possibility that they can pull this off because it's such a beloved combination. But to me, I think it's fun to combine the two you know? on your own. Yeah, yeah. Like we we my wife, she'll go out and she'll get uh, uh, sriracha mayo pre pre mixed, but she likes a particular brand. Me, I'll take sriracha, I'll take mayo, and I'll mix my own. Right, make it a little stronger if you want to. Yeah. Whatever I'm in the mood for. It's like a dim sum when you mix the soy sauce and the hot mustard to create the ratio that you enjoy. Yeah, though there's a lot of things we do here. Like if you go to Japan and you were to mix the wasabi with their soy sauce, they would smack you. And don't put your rice (laughs) in the soy sauce. Yeah, it's just – and you go to some places and they'll tell you how to eat it. They'll say this – eat with this, don't eat with that. Eat this as is. Neil, thank you. yeah. That, that, wow, that goes quick. Well, you guys want to go go get lunch or hang oh out? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I get yelled at by Chris Little if I'm not out right now. Yeah. Gary and Shannon, Johnny Ken up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. L A T T I H T B D. Look at the time. I have to be going. Gary 